0: Today, we are beginning a new series of messages called Unshakable Marriage. And so I thought in the month of July, it's always good to talk about marriage. There's a whole lot of weddings that happen during this month. And so if you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse number 18. So that ought to be really easy for us to find if you have your Bible. Very first book in the Bible, we're going to be talking today about the very first marriage And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. And so marriage is a fun subject to talk about. Now, I want you to think about it from my perspective. So I get to stand up here, talk about marriage, act like I know what I'm talking about, and then have my wife sitting here watching me talk about this subject. So uh, it's a little bit intimidating, but it's a lot of fun. And I found a video this week that I thought kind of gives a really good picture of marriage. I think a lot of you are going to be able to identify with this. I don't really know how it fits in to today's message, but I thought it was a good video, and I thought y'all would enjoy it. So uh, y'all, y'all watch this. It's about communication between a husband and a wife. We need to talk. You've done something wrong. Okay. I'm toast. Now, I'm not upset. I'm upset. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a ticking time bomb of volcanic fury. Because you forgot about yesterday? Because you are a moron of epic proportions. Yesterday, Yesterday. Yesterday. I'm toast. Yesterday was the 15th anniversary of our first official date. Oh, that's right. I remember. I have no memory of that. Do I need to get some flowers or something? No. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No. Are you mad? No. Yes. You'll remember next year. I will. I won't. So how do you like the casserole? It's uh, it, it's a new flavor. Tastes like the devil ate a skunk sandwich and vomited in my mouth. That's my mom's favorite recipe. I grew up on that. Might as well slap my mother in the face. Well, you know I would never do that. You know I think your mother's wonderful. Actually, I think your mother's a... All right, there was more to that video, but I thought that was a good place to stop. I just when I saw that, I thought this really doesn't have anything to do with it today, but we're going to play it anyway. So I just thought it was a fun a fun thing. So here's the question. So marriage is interesting. There's communication issues in marriage. There's the whole idea of coming together, living together. Uh, but what I want us to do instead of us just simply talking about or thinking about, you know, what is my what is my opinion on marriage? Instead of me thinking, you know, how is marriage supposed to work? according to the way I think, I think the best thing that we can do is just simply to look into scripture and see what God has to say about marriage, and then more importantly to discover the desires that God has for marriage. And I I know that we all have our own individual desires for marriage, what we think marriage ought to be, but it's interesting to me to look and see what God desires for your marriage, and so that's why we're looking in the book of Genesis today in Genesis chapter 2 we are taking a look at the very first marriage in the Bible and of course that marriage was between Adam and Eve. Now marriage is something that's been invented by God and because of that it is sacred. And so I'd have to say this though as as we look in you know 21st century culture especially in America I would have to say that that the sacredness of marriage in many ways has been lost. You know, statistics tell us that anywhere from like 38 to 50 percent of American marriages will end in divorce. And so I, I look at that statistic and I think, well, that means that there's probably around 50, 55 percent of marriages that, that continue on, but then I wonder, well, I wonder how many of those marriages are actually doing well. And I don't have a, you know, a great feeling about that number being all that great. And so what I want us to do today is just simply look and say, well, what, what does God want in marriage? What does God desire for us? And so uh, it's interesting, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, you'll see that really Genesis chapter, chapters 1 through 11, sort of they, they deal with the creation and the beginning of new life in this world that God made. And during that first week of creation, God created, you know, we know he created the heavens, the earth, created land, he created water, uh, he created animals, he created fish. And one of the last things that he creates is man. He makes people. And so we, we know that that is a very special creation from God in Genesis one twenty six, It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And so we know that the very first person that God created was Adam. And so Adam was created. He was put here on this earth to be a steward of everything here. But as time went by, God noticed that Adam was not complete. And so God then did another human creation. And he made somebody a little bit different than Adam. He made a woman, and her name was Eve. And he created her to be by the side of Adam. And it's in this marriage that we're going to see God's desire for marriage. Not just their marriage, but for your marriage. So what does God desire in marriage for us? Well, the very first thing is God desires for your marriage to strengthen you. Uh, If you look in verse number 18, it says... Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is like him. Now, marriage was not an institution that was created by man, it was not created by the church, it was not created so that God or so that somebody else could figure out a way to make people's lives miserable. God is the one who made marriage. And because God made marriage, here's what it means. It means it's good. It means it's something that is special. Anytime God makes something, it is good. You look throughout the creation story. Every time God said that he made something, y'all remember what he would follow up with? And it is good, right? So he made, as a matter of fact, he made man. He said it's very good. But there's only one time when God says that it's not good. And that's in verse number 18. Now, according to verse number 18, if you have your Bible and you look in there, what was not good? It was not good for man to be alone. And I think that's really interesting. See, whenever God created man, he created man with the ability, I mean, you think about it, with the ability to reason, to think, to communicate, you know, to use language. All those different things. But then look and see what is it that surrounded Adam. What was by Adam? God gives him all these abilities. And the only thing that keeps him company are a bunch of animals. Now, I'm, I, animals are great. You know, I, I think everybody, everybody ought to have an animal, right? So animals are good things. But let me tell you something. They are not going to fulfill you relationally as a person. If you want to share your de- deepest, darkest secrets or you want to get some ideas, You can talk to your animal all you want, but you're going to learn something. They're not going to have any new ideas for you. Uh, They're not going to communicate back with you. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, you don't know my dog. Yes, I do. Okay, but your dog does not have the same kind of intelligence that you do. They're great, but they're not going to satisfy you. So when God saw this, God said, "I I need to do something here. And so what did he do? Well, he created, the Bible says, a helper for man. Now ladies before you start thinking, well is this saying that God's saying that that women are inferior to men, that they're less than a man, let me let me encourage you here. I think this is really neat. The word helper that is used to describe Eve is the same word that is used in scripture also to describe God. In Psalm 46:1 it says God is our refuge and strength an ever-present Help in trouble. That is the same word that was used for Eve. So we know this. Eve was created to be a strengthening factor in the life of Adam. And we all know that that two is better than one. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. So two is better than one in the idea of that when you have two, you can support one another. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Redwood Forest. any of you all ever been there before? Okay, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. You go up there, you look at the trees there. Uh, some of those redwoods, I mean, they're like over 300 feet tall, hundreds of years old. Now, if you, you think about those trees and how huge they are and how big their trunks are, you think they have to have like a really deep root system in order to support the tree. But what's interesting is they don't have a deep root system. Uh, their root system is on the, it's on the surface, and so what happens is those roots will grow out from the tree on the surface and they interlock with the other redwood trees around them. And so they share nourishment in th- by, because their roots are tied together, but they also create stability for one another. So if there's a big wind, they are locked together and it keeps them from tipping over. Well, the same idea is true in marriage, that whenever we are joined together like this, that we have stability. Now, Psalm 46.1 tells us that God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. So I think it's really neat that God, whenever Jesus left here, that in his stead, he has given us a mate in order to be our ever-present help physically. So here's what God desires for your marriage. The very first things, I want you to know this. God desires for your marriage to strengthen you. But he also has another desire for your marriage. He desires for your marriage also to complete you. Now, what's that talking about? Well, look with me in verse number 19. So the Lord God formed out of the ground each wild animal and each bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name, And the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found who was like him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. Okay, now, y'all remember what part of the body Eve came out of from Adam? rib, that's right. Good job. So, So God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Okay, now think of all the things that Adam had at his disposal before Eve came along. Okay, y'all remember, where did he live? Garden of Eden. The word Eden means pleasure. I mean, it was a place that had everything that you could imagine that would sustain your life. It had, it had all the food you needed, had all the water that you needed, it had beauty. We're told that it was a materially rich land. I mean, it had absolutely everything. Not only that, Adam also was busy. I mean, it's not like he was just sitting there. I mean, he was not a spectator. He had a job to do. In Genesis 2.15 it said, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Now from the text that we just read, uh, verses 19 through 23, one of the jobs that Adam had was that all the animals were coming to Adam. And Adam's job was to name all of the animals. Now at the time, I don't know how many animals actually came in front of him. but It had to be a really busy schedule for him. But even though Adam had all these things at his disposal, none of those things satisfied him, still alone. And I I hear a lot of people who will tell me, they'll say, you know, if I just had more money, if I had a bigger house, if I had a nicer car, then life would be good. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things in and of themselves, But none of those things are going to complete you. None of those things are going to fill the void in your life. None of those things will satisfy. Now, again, I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I know people who have all those material things and yet their lives are still unsatisfied. You know, Albert Einstein said, it's strange to be so universally known And yet so personally lonely. So so what is God's answer to the question of loneliness for the general, just in general, for general population? I think it's interesting. It is marriage. Amen. So how is marriage an answer to man's loneliness? You know what what does marriage bring to the table? Well, it brings another person to share life with. Uh, If you look back in verse number 20, it talks about Eve. She is a helper. That word helper, it is in reference to one who is uh, equal, someone who has been made in a like manner. Before Eve, there there was nobody similar to Adam. I mean, there's God. Well, I mean, God's different than man. Uh, He's surrounded by a bunch of animals. You know, man is a higher creation Than animals, so that there was a loneliness that was in Adam's life. You know, without marriage, there would there would be no intimacy. Without marriage, there would be no family. Without marriage, there'd be nobody to share life with. And so there was this incredible loneliness that Adam had. And so if you look in verse twenty-one, God started the process of bringing Adam a helper. You might have heard this story before. Adam uh, was talking to God one day. And, and God had asked him, said, how are you doing, Adam? He said, I'm doing well. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. He said, but after a while, it just kind of gets kind of boring. He said, I'm really lonely. And God said, I'm, I'm working on that. He said, I, I'm going to create someone just for you. I'm going to create a woman. And she's going to meet every one of your needs. She's going, to, she's going to cook for you. She's going to be your best friend. She's going to clean for you. She's going to do whatever it is that you want. And Adam was like, that sounds great. How much is that going to cost me? It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Adam said, what can you give me for a rib? I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Y'all used to laugh more than that, I thought that was funny. Uh, now, now there have been some conjectures as to why Eve was formed from the side of Adam. So why, why, didn't, why didn't God form Eve out of Adam's feet? Well, so he would not trample on her. Why was she not formed out of his head? Well, it was so that he would not rule over here. But she was, she was created from his side so that she would be his companion, so that she could walk alongside him. That's God's desire for marriage. God's desire for marriage is to strengthen you. It is to complete you. And yet, whenever I look and see what's going on in, in culture today, I see that that we have divorces. I see that we have a rise in domestic violence. I think, well, what's going on? This is God's desire. Why is is this not happening, this desire? Well, that brings me to the third point in what God desires for your marriage. This is the last thing God desires for your marriage, to be your primary relationship. And I think it's where a lot of us struggle. That's why so many marriages are in trouble because marriage, your spouse, is not your primary relationship. If you look in verse number 24, it says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. It says, And both the man and his wife were naked, and yet they felt no shame. You know, marriage has been been a, a tremendous blessing in my life. Now, I'm not saying that everything is perfect. I'm not saying that everything always works out like I thought it would, but marriage has been a great blessing for me. Um, and now, Emily and I both come from, we come from families with parents who are still married, uh, parents who love each other. We're very, very close to our families. And I, I'm, I'm, close to, I'm close to my parents. When I, was, I remember when I went to college, my dad called me uh, not long after I'd been at college, and he said, would you please just come home one Saturday and watch a football game with me? And uh, so you know, so I, I went home and I gave my mom and I, I, I pleased her because I brought home laundry for her to do, so I knew that was a joy um, and then not only that, but I, everyone, so I loved to come home from college because you know I had I had roommates, I was living with three guys, and it was nice, just to, like to come to a house where there was like nobody else in my room, and so I enjoyed that, and so that was fun but but then whenever Emily and I got married our our primary relationships that we had. It re- they really had to begin to shift. And, you know, and I know a lot of people, they, they get married and, and mom and dad are still their number one relationship. And that creates a problem in marriage. I see other people, their number one relationship in marriage, it is, it is their friendships or they have kids. And then, and then after they have kids, the number one relationship in their lives are their children. Now whenever that happens, I want you to know that biblically, that is unnatural. Uh, Biblically, that is not right. And I'm not saying that you're supposed to just dump your parents and treat them horribly after you get married. I mean, you're supposed to honor your father and mother. You know, that's the fifth commandment. Uh, Not to do so would be sin. But our primary relationship is to be the husband and wife. And I said, well, why is that unnatural for it not to be the husband and wife? Well, if you go back and you look in verse number 24, it says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. That word bond, it basically means to be glued together. It means to be semened together. Now, if you have something that is glued together and then you tear it apart, there's little bits and pieces and residue that's left behind. It is never a good Split. You know, you, you are to be bonded together. Adam and Eve, they were, she was literally from Adam's body. That's why whenever Jesus was asked about divorce, Jesus quoted the scripture. Um, in Matthew 19, 4 and 5, Jesus said, haven't, haven't you read that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? And he also said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. I, I think I told you all last week. One of my favorite people historically is Winston Churchill from the 20th century, and uh, he was the prime minister of England. And he was—he was—I mean, he had some great quotes and great sayings. But somebody asked him. They said, "If you couldn't be who you are today, who would—who else would you like to be?" And his reply was—I thought it was great. He said, "I would like to be my wife's second husband." That's a smart guy. I was like, that is a great answer. Now that, that's, but he really did. That is a man who loved and cared for his wife. Marriage is to be the earthly example of the way that God loves us. Men, you want to know how you're to love your wife? Ephesians 5.25 tells us. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you love your wife like that, let me tell you something. You're going to have a strong marriage. So what does God desire? Yeah, we, we're going to talk about marriage in another three weeks. But what does God desire for marriage? He desires for your marriage to strengthen you, to complete you, and to be your primary relationship. Okay, so now here's how we're going to close. Now some of you have your spouses here with you. So that's good. Some of you say, mine's not here. That's okay. What we can do is we're we're, going to pray for our spouses. And so I'd like for us to simply to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And if your spouse is next to you, and maybe this is normal for you or maybe it's not normal, why don't you just, if they're next to you, hold their hand, and then I just want you to pray for each other. Now, I just want to encourage you to simply pray and say, Lord, I pray that you will bless my husband, that you'll bless my wife. Uh, and you might say, well, yeah, listen, I, before we came to church today, we were ready to kill each other. Uh, there's some things that were that are going on in our marriage. I'm mad at my spouse. Okay, listen, if that's the case, that, that, you know what? That is called life. But here's the neat thing. That you have been called to love your spouse like Christ loves you. Forgive them. And as you pray for them, say, Lord, I my heart is, maybe your heart is angry towards your spouse. Say, Lord, I pray that you will remove that anger. Lord, I want to offer forgiveness to my spouse. It could be that you could be praying. Say, Lord, I I need to tell my spouse I'm sorry. Lord, I just want you to bless our marriage. Strengthen us. Now, there might be others of you here, and your your spouse is not here. And it could be that you just simply, they, they might not be here because they're just out of town. Or it could be they're not here because they don't follow Jesus I want you to pray for them say Lord I pray that you'll touch them that you will draw them to you Lord that they will that they will come to know you and to love you and maybe there are others of you and you need to come into you just personally you need to come into a marriage relationship with Jesus You say, Lord, I I will surrender myself to you. Lord, you have asked me to be in your family. And I've just flirted with you over the years. I've I've just sort of nodded my head at you occasionally. But Lord, today, I will give my life to you. You can just simply tell him to Jesus, forgive me. I will live free.